0: This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton.
1: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Professor Kent Smetters. Hello welcome. You're listening to Your Money. I'm Kent a uh, professor here at the Wharton School in Philadelphia. We are live every Tuesdays. From 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern, that's 2 to 4 p.m. for those of you on the West Coast. And the purpose of this show is simply to help you make better decisions with your money. We often focus on ways to increase your productivity and your income in the first part. And the rest of the show... Typically, they focus on ways why you spend and save your money, including things like paying down debts, buying insurance, and of course, how to invest your money. And really, the most fun part of the show is we take your calls throughout the entire show to give you advice what to do with your money. So today, I'm joined by three great guests. The first will be Steve Vernon, who is the president of Rest of Life Communications. We're going to be talking uh, a, a bit about his new book called Retirement Game Changers and um, what key decisions do some older workers uh, face today and then uh, later in the show you know the routine by now. I'll look about financial advisors taking your calls with me about your own financial situation. So the first will be John Luskin of Defined Financial. We're going to do some uh, just general financial planning and then later in the show, welcome back, uh, Steve Medlin from Tabor Capital Management. We're going to be talking about some millionaire next door types. And But you know the routine by now. i love to answer a question about anything related to your finances. So if you want to know how to invest your money save for retirement, kids, college, buy Life insurance, paying down debt, budgeting—maybe grandma just left you a hundred grand, and you want to know what to do with it. Really, anything about your money—that's the show's name. Live on Tuesday. so grab the phone, give me a call here at one eight four four Wharton, just like the school W H. A-R-T-O-N. That's one 844 7866 And we'll talk about your own situation. You don't have to give us your first name and the state you're calling from, so never a reason to be nervous or shy. And thousands of other listeners will benefit hearing the advice given to you about your own financial needs. So my producer, Michelle, standing by, writing the line for calls. Again, live on Tuesday. So Give me a call here at one 844 That's 1-844-942-7866. With that, let me introduce my first guest, Steve Vernon, who's the president of Rest of Life uh, Communications, is also a resident, uh, or research scholar um, at the Stanford Center on Longevity. For more than 35 years, he's helped uh, Fortune 1,000 employers design, manage, and communicate their retirement plans. And uh, he has a twice-weekly blog column on retirement strategies for CBS uh, uh, Money Watch. And his forthcoming book is called "Retirement Game Changers," and will be published in spring. Um, uh, Well, maybe it's already says spring 2018, so I guess it's uh, it's already out by by now. So welcome to the show, Steve.
0: Thanks, Kent. Thanks for having me.
1: And if you have a question for Steve and myself, especially about retirement, give us a call here at 1-844-WORKTON. That's one 844 904 And so, uh, Steve, let's go through this. Your book's called Retirement Game Changers. Just to find, what is a retirement game changer?
0: Well, Kent, we have game-changing challenges that we're all facing with respect to retirement. And let me start with the first one, which is longer lives. You know, during the 20th century, we added 30 years to life expectancy, and that alone is a game changer with respect to planning retirement, because we have to plan for much longer retirements. But that's not the only game-changing challenge that we face. If we're going to be retired for 20 or 30 years, how many stock market crashes do we have to withstand? And it's sobering to realize from the period 1987 to 2017, you know, the last 30 years, we had four stock market crashes. Hmm. So looking forward, uh, how many more will we have? So uh, that's another challenge that we face. And then we're all aware of high costs for health care and long-term care. So these are some of the big challenges that we face. But we also have new research and tools to address these challenges. So we both have game-changing challenges. And game-changing tools.
1: Yeah, and I'm just
0: trying to draw attention that life is different compared to what happened for our parents and grandparents.
1: Yeah, and also the the you know decline of traditional defined benefit pension plans and move toward defined contribution plans like 401ks, 403bs, and so forth. Certainly, put more of the work on the um, saver today to kind of uh, manage that. That, that retirement. So I mean, again, speaking with Steve Vernon is the president of Rest of Life Communications. We're talking about retirement. You got a question about it. Uh, Now's the time to call here at one eight four four 844 That's one And so uh, what's kind of the, in your mind, the most important, you know, retirement decision facing older workers? I mean, we typically say it's when you retire. Is, is, is that kind of still true in your mind?
0: Yes, can, uh The, Top five decisions. The first one is when and how to retire.
1: Mm, what do you and mean by how?
0: By, exactly. Is that um, so it used to be that you worked full time and then you retired full time. Yeah. And nowadays, some people say I want to retire, but then they're willing to work part time for a while. So um, it's when you stop your full time work, and then whether you work part time for a while. That decision is the most critical decision. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, coming second, close after that, is when to start your social security benefits. Um, The third decision, then, is how you deploy your savings. And this is the first time we're introducing investing. Uh, A lot of people focused on investing, but that's really only the third most important decision, in my opinion. Um, The fourth one is that if you do a good job at uh, designing your retirement income portfolio, you probably realize you have to cut your spending. Mm-hmm. Because most likely you'll be spending less money in retirement than you were while you're working. And then finally, fifth, we can't forget uh, you've got to take care of medical costs. Uh, yeah, and make yeah. smart choices for medical insurance. So those are my top five.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, a perfect list. I mean, clearly when you retire, and like you said, now nowadays... When you think about jobs at Costco and so forth, it's also house. I mean, maybe you get some part-time income coming in. That's the, the the big decision. And certainly, we talk a lot about claiming Social Security. A lot of people don't realize that you don't have to claim Social Security when you're retired. A lot of people are better off just waiting until age seventy. Um, but it, but you, you also nailed another important point in the head that so much of the industry focuses on investments. It's such a less important decision than making sure that you saved adequately for retirement. That investment decision is a, you know, a second order in comparison to making sure that you've actually saved um, adequately. So Again, speaking of Steve Vernon, President of Rest of Life Communications, do you have a question about retirement, uh, now's the time to call us here at one eight four four 844 worth and that's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And so let's talk about um, reliable lifetime retirement income. It's, everybody's trying to crack this. Code. I mean, the old days you didn't have to worry about you defined benefit plans. You know, nowadays you certainly maybe have some fixed annuity products that last until you. Actually, dies. You know, um, variable annuities. Of course, we warn people on this show um, a a lot about those. Um, Then you have, you know, complicated strategies like you know tips ladders and things like that. Uh, For for most people that you talk with, and certainly do it from both the plan sponsor side and also just individuals, how do you think that there is the best strategy for people to uh, generate uh, reliable retirement income? Well,
0: Kent, let me first start with a distinction, Um, uh, and this is a very general distinction. If you've got more than a million dollars in savings, then you've got enough that it's probably worth finding a good financial advisor to help think through these issues, Yep. and yet plus you have enough money to really make a difference with your strategies. Yeah. But if you've got under a million, which defines most people, um, then I think very simple strategies can be quite effective. And what I like to encourage people to think about is to set up what I call retirement paychecks. These are things, these are regular income that will last the rest of your life no matter how long you live and won't go down if the stock market crashes. And so set up retirement paychecks that cover your basic living expenses, you know, food, roof over your head, medical premiums, utility bills. So retirement paychecks would be Social Security, a pension, if you're lucky enough to have one. But if you still need more income to cover these basics, then you would buy a low-cost fixed annuity. Mm. So those are retirement paychecks. And then I say cover your discretionary living expenses with what I'll call retirement bonuses. And the idea here is that hopefully these bonuses would last the rest of your life, but if the economy does well, they'll go up, and if the economy does poorly, you'll go down. Yeah. And you'll use your discretionary expenses, you know, traveling, hobbies, spoiling the grandchildren, you know, things that you could cut back if times get poor. And so that's money you invest, maybe with your 401k and your IRA, and you have some kind of a drawdown scheme. Yeah. So to me, this is a very simple way of thinking about it that a lot of people can use to decide when and how they can retire.
1: Yeah, and you, but you also mentioned medical costs and your answer the previous question, a like, uh, list of five things there, and as you know, people greatly underestimate you know what they are going to need in out-of-pocket medical payments in retirement because they think Medicare covers it, and they don't realize there's a lot that Medicare does not um, cover. So as you probably know, EBRI and Fidelity Benefits do an annual survey, and they basically find... The average couple going into retirement today is going to be you know spending about a quarter million dollars and kind of stuff that's not covered by um, and Medicare. How do you think about saving for those things because if it, those aren't really just the paychecks you know those are more lumpy um, and at the same time it's not bonuses because you know, you don't necessarily want to stay, you know take stock market risk with those. So how, how do you think of people reserving for that?
0: Well, that's a good question. And this is one of many examples and many decisions that deserve time and attention. And so I'd like to say that you don't want to wing this. Uh, you know, take some time to figure out what will work for you and, mm. uh, protecting against medical expenses. I call that the big bad wolf of retirement. Yeah. I draw upon that nursery stable where the first two little pigs didn't spend much time planning and building a good mm. house and you know what their fate was. Um, but the third pig took the time, and when the big bad wolf came, the third pig was protected. So think about being the three little pigs and protecting against that big bad wolf. Yeah. With medical costs, if you buy a supplemental plan to supplement Medicare, and that's either a Medicare supplement plan or a Medicare Advantage plan, yep. what you've done is covered most of your health care costs
1: yeah.
0: through some kind of a premium You've got to pay an extra premium for Medicare supplement plans. Um, sometimes Medicare Advantage plans have a separate premium, and sometimes they don't. But what I'm getting at is that you've now have a monthly premium that you can budget for and pay for from your income. Yeah. So that's the way to deal with medical costs. And I emphasize medical costs versus long-term care. Yeah, because I was long-term get that, care man. is the wild card here. Yeah. So just for your viewers, uh, long-term care is like custodial care. It's not care for medical treatments. It's care when you're too frail to make your own food or get dressed or use the bathroom. And uh, Medicare and medical insurance policies don't cover long-term care. Yeah. So that's where you want to pay some attention to.
1: Yeah, and that, that's the, that was really the just uh, kind of my question in the sense that you're absolutely right. Those aren't um, technically medical costs because, you know, you're not talking about inpatient outpatient care. It's usually some trigger called, you know— ADLs that you know, trigger you know long term care or skilled nursing the more extreme example of that and what is interesting uh, the Fidelity EBRI study does not include things like skilled nursing and their two hundred fifty thousand dollar you know um, out of pocket costs there so it's it's uh, you're absolutely right it's kind of one of the the big kind of wild cards so I, I definitely like the idea of creating this consistency kind of base layer safe. Layer of income, uh, but uh, without augment with that is this really having a side pocket of. You know, liquid money for some of those long-term care and kind of more lumpy things that uh, come along. And let's talk about this retirement number. <laughs> we won't we won't talk about the source <laughs> who advertises the retirement number, but you, certainly the retirement number has gotten you know more popular or with uh, with uh, you know various commercials and so forth. You you say, and I think correctly, is that it's a too simple uh, uh, of a measure. Explain why, and explain what's kind of a better approach.
0: Okay, so yeah, some people say you need to have a magic number to be able to retire. Yeah. And that's just a number of amount of savings, and it doesn't show you what your income is. Yeah, And so I think a much better approach is to focus on what I call the magic formula for retirement income security, and that's uh, I greater than E. I is your income, and E is your expenses, And you want to make sure you've developed a stream of income that will cover your living expenses. And the reason I focus on that is a lot of planners focus on just the income side. Yeah. And they say you need an income equal to 70 or 80 percent of your pre-retirement pay. Well, I've seen the numbers on savings among average Americans. They don't have enough savings to generate that 70 or 80 percent. So it's setting up a target that is unattainable. Yeah. And what I've seen in survey after survey is that retirees manage their retirement finances by cutting their living expenses. And so I think you need to focus on both your income and your expenses. And once you have a clear income as to what's a reasonable amount of income you can expect, then you think, ah, now I've got my bogey. You know, now I know what I need to cut my living
1: expenses by.
0: And so that to me is a much more effective way to manage your retirement finances.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. But you got to admit, retirement number is a little more catchy than your, you know, your phrase. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: and, and it gets back to uh, my basic uh, premise is that we just can't wing it, and we can't use too simple a solution. Yeah. Uh, while we were working and accumulating money, all we had to do, I'm mean, being a little facetious, but all we had to do was save and invest. But yeah. life becomes more complicated when we enter retirement.
1: So. Yeah, it, de- it definitely <laughs> does. No, and I was being facetious, of course. But, you know, uh, it, no question, it, it's not just about income, it's about expenses and how to contain those. And a lot of times people just have very unrealistic expectations about those a- expenses. So you say, and I completely agree with this point as well. That middle-income, uh middle income workers, they don't need to be investing geniuses to, to, to succeed with kind of retirement planning. They often say simpler is better. You know, when advisors say you want to, you know, have, you know, get. get your 401k plan have tons of you know options you know I point out the thrift savings plan of the federal government has five options and it's probably the most well designed plan out there just because it's so simple I mean so explain what is it that you know uh, middle income workers need to be kind of thinking about and just kind of keeping it simple
0: well it starts with uh, it's back to social security if you optimize your social security with a delay strategy yeah then a large part of your income where our research is showing two thirds or even three fourths of your total income is coming from social security, which is protected from stock market crashes. So any volatility that you introduce in your retirement income with your investment strategies is only applying to one third or maybe even one fourth of your total income. And so that says you don't need real elaborate strategies. And if you just go with a Either a low-cost target date fund, which are very common in 401k plans, or a balanced fund. Actually, our research is supporting using even 100% stock index funds, um, if you can withstand some of the volatility. Those are real simple funds that are in most 401k plans. So our research is saying that that strategy can actually work better than more complicated strategies.
1: Yeah, yeah. and what more complicated often means higher costs. And um trying to be a uh, too cute and you're absolutely right a yeah, slight majority of uh uh Amer- retirees today get most of their income um from uh, uh social security and optimizing that. of course the the balance to that I run the Penn Wharton budget model is that we say social security is in worse shape than what the official numbers show, although the assumption is that they wouldn't be cutting social security benefits on you know older workers. Uh, uh, today, but I completely agree. Getting starting with that safe layer of income, like Social Security, um, pensions, and fixed annuities, uh, is certainly the way they go. So, what are some of the big mistakes that you see, you know, working Americans make when they're kind of deploying their their savings in retirement?
0: Well, actually, we see two different mistakes, and they go in the opposite direction. Yep. Um, the first mistake comes from people who just wing it, and they just have this this magic number in mind, and then once they retire, they just use that savings amount like a checking account, and they just write checks to cover the living expenses without a plan to make that last the rest of their life. Yeah, And people who do that, we see typically are spending at too fast of a rate, and come their mid-70s, early 80s, they're going to run out of money with many more good years of life left. So that's one mistake is winging it. But then there's the opposite mistake is that other people become really fearful about outliving their money. So now they're going to minimize their withdrawals and even hoard their money.
1: Um,
0: And I'm not going to chastise people for being too safe. But I know if you do that without a conscious strategy, you might end up passing away with money on the table. So um, I think those folks could spend more on a monthly basis, and feel safe by having some kind of a strategy to make their money last for the rest of their lives.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: those are the two mistakes uh, I see.
1: Yeah. Um, what, what do you think you know, about these? You know, it's very common three to four percent, you know, with withdrawal rules. I mean, it's um, it, it's it's very prevalent in the industry. It's not you know quite as simplistic as the retirement number, but pretty close. What, what, what are your thoughts?
0: Well. Let me talk about the 4% rule with a twist on it. Is that The the classic version of the 4% rule, which was introduced by William Bengen, um, you took 4% of your savings, that was your annual retirement income, and you increased that each year for inflation, regardless of how your investments were doing. Mm -hmm. And what our research is showing is that that works often, but if you do have poor investment experience and you keep withdrawing, Yeah. At the same rate without cutting back your withdrawals because the stock market's done poorly, you could run out of money. Yeah, yeah. And so we think a better practice is to adjust your withdrawals up or down depending on how your investments are doing. And that involves every year resetting your withdrawal rate by applying a percentage to your remaining savings at each year.
1: Yeah. I
0: think so if we do four percent, do four percent of that, that's okay. That'll
1: sure. work. Sure, you know, I think one of the things that kind of drives me crazy about the four percent rule, and I know some people, you know, are saying that maybe it should be, you know, three and a half or three percent, but at least going back to the original article, four percent, is that often the comparisons made use Monte Carlo analysis, which in this case, I think is an extremely misleading. Uh, a tool, because it ignores what economists refer to as margin utility and particularly we value a dollar a lot more when we 're poor than we 're when we 're higher income, and so as a result of that, you know they we should be placing a lot more weight on you know those times that we um, you know, underperform than those times that we outperform, and so you know, in this context, given that this isn't, it's not like I can rerun my life and try to you know, hit the restart button. It really does strike me as a more of a Russian roulette uh, type of of a tool rather than you know. Um, anything that's, you know, sensible. But I'll put that – maybe we'll do a show on the flaws of Monte Carlo analysis that, in fact, <laughs> imbe- are embedded in virtually all financial planning uh, software. Uh, so in terms of, you know, common mistakes that Americans make, you know, when deploying um, their, their, their um, savings in retirement, you said, you know, certainly it's, it's those two things that sometimes people withdraw too much and, you know, not really thinking about it or they withdraw – um uh too little let's talk about you know what you call the trap for the unwary and that is regarding medical um, insurance retirees and uh, medicare and we talked a little bit about that but i think it's really worth emphasizing that people really seem to underestimate their their health costs in retirement
0: right and so first let's talk about medicare which starts at age 65 um and a lot of people celebrate turning age 65 because now they can get medical insurance without worrying about pre-existing conditions. And I, basically, I turned age 65 in May, so I'm mm, doing it for, for myself. You. And um, it's common to think, oh, Medicare is medical insurance, and to assume that it's like the medical insurance you had while you were working.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's a big mistake because Medicare, first of all, Medicare has three different parts, each of which has its own premium schedule and its own deductible and co-payment schedule. It's not like a comprehensive plan you had while you're working, where it's just one plan with one set of deductibles and copayments. So there are significant gaps in Medicare that if you incur a substantial medical claim, you're going to have thousands of dollars out of pocket, unlike the plan you had at work. And so assuming that you've got comprehensive coverage is one of the traps for the unwary. And yeah. you really do need to supplement Medicare either with something called a Medicare Supplement Plan or a Medicare Advantage Plan. Um, and that way you're going to close many of the significant gaps that Medicare has. Yeah. So that's that's part one of the trap to the unwary. Um, is it okay if I talk about sure, trap yeah. number two? Sure, yeah. Yep, yep. Okay, so trap number two. Is thinking, oh yeah, when I make 65, I don't have to worry about exclusions for pre-existing conditions. Yeah, and maybe, maybe not. Actually, um, the fundamental choice you face as you initially are eligible for Medicare, and this is what I faced a couple months ago, you can either go with traditional Medicare, which has its own set of deductibles and co-payments, and its parts. Part A is hospital. Part B is Outpatient and Part D as prescription prescription drugs. That's one way, and it's the most complicated, but also and it has significant gaps. But you've also got the greatest flexibility in choosing healthcare providers. Right. The other way is Medicare Advantage, which combines Part A, B, and D into one plan, so it simplifies your life. But then um, you're restricted to the healthcare providers in the plans network. So it's a basic choice between flexibility and simplicity. And I'm not going to tell you what's right for one or the other, other than to study this and ask you yourself what's right for you. But here's yeah. the, this leads me up to the trap to the unwary, yeah. is that some people think I'll go with Medicare Advantage plan, I'm healthy right now, but if I incur a serious medical condition in three or four or five years, I'll switch over to traditional Medicare because
1: right.
0: I'll have more choice of providers. Yep. Well, that's where Medicare supplement plans are allowed to apply pre-existing conditions. Right. And so you might not be able to switch over. At least you can always switch to traditional Medicare, but then you might not be able to get that Medicare supplement plan. So once again, you're facing out-of-pocket medical expenses.
1: Yeah. And it's, and, it's Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Well, so I, I, just to wrap this up, yeah. your initial eligibility... For Medicare, when you turn sixty-five, that's your chance to make decisions that will actually have, could apply for the rest of your life. So, yeah. pay attention; it's a critical time.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's a really important. We've mentioned this like a, a, a couple times in the show in the, in the past. Just to remind people, you know, once you turn. Sixty-five. You gotta be, you know, signing up for Medicare within a, a certain threshold six months. Because if you don't, then once you sign up for Medicare and you want to get a supplemental policy, which most people are going to want to get because of the big gaps inside of Medicare, um, uh, they if you do if you sign up, you know, within t- turning sixty-five, within just a few months, you, you, they can't do. Um, you know, look at pre-existing conditions. But if you wait too long, the government's worried about adverse selection. And so, in particular, only the sick people will sign up at that point. So they can, in fact, do um, uh, medical underwriting um, um, uh, if you sign up for the, the GAP or the other supplemental policy too late. So when people sign up for Medicare Advantage, it rolls it all up, and kind of like an HMO, makes it easy. But then when you want to switch back, you're well beyond that timeline of six months. And so when you switch back um, and you go for a gap policy at that point, they can do medical underwriting. So it's an important point. Um, you know, We are still seeing lots of the growth in Medicare Advantage because of simplicity and costs and so forth. Um, but as you point out, if you're not in a big city, you don't have a lot of choices, it's more like an HMO, um, you might want to you know think uh, harder about that. So great advice, Steve. Fantastic job. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Champ, yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to help your listeners.
1: And you can find out more about Steve Vernon by going to his website, which is restoflife.com. Again, restoflife.com. And again, his new book uh, that came out this spring, Retirement Game Changes. So listen your on Monday. I'm Ken Smos, Business Radio here, Sirius XM. One, three, two, and if uh, we are live every Tuesdays from 5 to 7 p.m., repeated throughout the week. Um, when we come back, you know the routine. I'm going to be going to the phone lines, taking your calls about your own financial situation. So if you want to know how to invest your money, save for retirement, kids' college, Buying life insurance, really anything about uh, your money—that's the show's name. Pick up the phone, give me a call. Live on Tuesdays here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. We'll be right back with, after this quick break. For more
0: guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.